0: planning for life planning for
1: life and good evening Hampton Roads. Welcome to another edition of Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective unbiased financial advice. I'm certified financial planner Kevin Zivna alongside me as usual CFP Allison DeBrill Together we come to you live every second and fourth Tuesday of the month to dialogue with you. Take your calls. If you have a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation, then this is your forum to discuss. We'd love to hear from you. All we need is your first name, city you're calling from, and no matter what Alice and I are talking about, if it's important to you, then it's important to us, we'll get you right on air. 627-7979, that's 627-7979. Wealthway Financial Advisors is the proud sponsor of Dollars and Common Sense. We are an independent, registered investment advisor, which means we're legally held to a fiduciary standard to put our clients' interests ahead of our own in any business dealing. And that's the way it should be when you work with a financial advisor. As the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice. To help our clients answer life's big financial questions, and enhance their quality of life. So by design, we can't work with everyone. We work with a relatively small group of high net worth individuals. But that's one of the reasons we feel so strongly about coming here every second and fourth Tuesday at 6 p.m. And that's to reach out and help as many people in the Hampton Roads listening area as we can achieve your measure of financial success. Because it is a core belief at Wealthway Advisors that the overwhelming majority of people in this country have the opportunity for financial security if they choose it, it is a choice because it takes some time, it takes some effort, and it takes some knowledge. We're here to help. You're going to take that first step, though. Pick up the phone. Give us a call, 627-7979. Whether you want to talk about anything having to do with the investment markets, uh, the economy, uh, insurance products like life insurance, health insurance, property casualty, taxes, tax planning, tax reduction strategies, retirement planning, retirement plans, 401 ks four hundred three 4-3Bs, TSPs. 457s, IRAs, Roth IRAs, uh, mortgage strategies, social security issues, estate planning, wills and trusts, all that and more falls under the umbrella of personal finance we are here to discuss tonight. 627-7979. Good evening, Allison.
2: Good evening. How are you?
1: I'm fantastic. You know that.
2: Good. Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm always fantastic. Oh, I'll just assume from now on. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, tonight we want to talk about one of my favorite topics, which is social security, because there's been a lot of headlines around social security lately. The... Annual trustees report was released, so we can talk a little bit about that. Also, there's some conjecture out there about the COLA increase that Social Security beneficiaries may start receiving in January, and it's, then it's a big one. It, it is, yes. Yeah, spoiler alert: uh, we can talk about general Social Security claiming options as well, and then also something we haven't talked about in a while is Social Security do overs. What are your Ways of fixing a claiming mistake if you did something you shouldn't have done.
1: Or just having some other options. Yeah, a lot of people don't even know because, for most intents and purposes, once you make a Social Security election, it is irreversible. Um, but there are some very few targeted uh, selections where you can uh, do a little bit of a do over if uh, your circumstances change. And if time permits, we'll get into that.
2: Yes. So the first headline I wanted to address was the Social Security trustees report that has just been recently uh, released, where now they're saying that the OASDI and Disability Insurance Trust funds are now projected to be depleted one year earlier than they were as of last year because of the effects of COVID. So the OASDI trust is now projected to be depleted in 2033. And at that time, that means that it would be able to pay 76% of benefits. And then coupled with that, the disability trust for those that are out on Social Security disability, that trust is estimated to now be depleted in 2057, eight years earlier than last year's estimate, actually, which is a big difference. And at that point, it would still be able to pay 91% of benefits. So we want to kind of unpack this these pieces of information to give you a little bit of perspective around what that means yeah
1: so let's not panic uh, just yet um, and uh, run into the streets and create turmoil and chaos if Social Security trust fund is depleted that does not mean no one gets paid it means that benefits would be reduced from their current payout levels about twenty-ish percent from what you're getting right now, because the current beneficiary, uh, the current uh, contributors, uh, the workers who are out here in the workforce right now paying the social their social security benefits, that would that would go into the trust fund and then be paid out in benefits. It's just that due to largely the the baby boomers, um, there are more of the beneficiaries, more of them than there are of us. And so there's more people taking out of Social Security than there are paying in. And those that paid in through the way, well, uh, through the years, while they did contribute something, they didn't contribute enough actuarially to justify the benefits that are coming out now. And a lot of that has to do with life expectancy and the fact that people are living longer than the social security administration anticipated when they designed the plan so tweaks have been made through the years to try to true things up but right now the way the numbers look we are on a course where it, something needs to be done in order for the current beneficiaries to get their current benefits without a reduction and most likely, what that's going to be is a combination of perhaps a little bit of increase in the in the current um, Social Security tax, so more gets paid in, and then what I what I personally hope would happen is a shift in the retirement benefit ages. Right now, you can start taking Social Security as early as 62, uh, full Social Security benefit age. Uh, right now is 66, and you can continue to uh, delay up to age 70. What I hope is that's, that whole sort of age group shifts up to recognize um, the additional life expectancy of the health benefits that we all sort of enjoy. That's what a traditional pension system would do. That's how it would help um, uh, rectify any sort of short-term Deficiencies. If those changes aren't made, then we will have problems. But I, I'm sure when the situation comes dire enough, that's when Congress will act, and that's who needs to act in order to make those, those changes. So that's kind of where we are from a Social Security standpoint.
2: Yeah. So I definitely wanted to point out what you just mentioned, that uh, no party's really going to want to touch this until they have to. So don't expect something to be done until the last minute. But there are a lot of changes that can be made that would certainly positively impact the program. And most people, as they near claiming age or if they are on Social Security and already claiming, they get very uncomfortable because we just constantly see these headlines. Well, it's it's less likely anyone res- currently receiving benefits will be majorly impacted. And it's not very likely that anyone within probably five to ten years of claiming will mm-hmm. be largely impacted. We're really looking at most probable effects to the younger generations. Right.
1: The cost of the Social Security program will be to fix it will largely be borne by subsequent generations. The current um, grandchildren and great-grandchildren of the current beneficiaries will be the ones who will have to pay more into the system and or accept less benefits than their grandparents and great-grandparents are getting now. That's where the costs will be borne. In society, but current beneficiaries don't have to worry about anything. And certainly, I know that for a while there. The, well, there probably still is. There's many people who think they will get nothing out of Social mm-hmm. Security. No, uh, that is the probability. Of that is almost zero. All of us are going to get all workers who contribute to Social Security are going to get something out of it. It's a matter of what. All right, we're going to pause right here, take a really quick break. David in Virginia Beach, we see you. Uh, we're going to come back and hit your question right after the break. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM790. She's Allison. I'm Kevin. We'll be right back. To Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner, Alison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, check us out online, Wealthway Advisors. Dot com. Okay, I guess we lost David through the break, but I think we got a gist of his question. He's got um, some money in CDs, not making a whole bunch of interest. What else can he do with it?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's really oh, hard.
1: Do we have David? No, no, we don't. Okay. have
2: David. Okay. it's 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 hard to eke out much of anything yeah. anywhere in any banks. Um, we definitely have clients who try to shop it around. And really, I'll just say first and foremost, if this is your emergency reserve, right. that's then where it stays. Earning interest is not the primary objective right. of that money. So don't sweat the small stuff. The mm-hmm. per, you know point zero one percent <laughs> difference. Right. The, the
1: purpose of that money is not. The primary purpose is not to earn money on that money. It's liquidity and ease of access, uh, and the ability, and, and that's your safety net, and that's your cushion, and that's your rainy day fund. So, that's just the price we pay for those other attributes.
2: But if you already have your emergency fund, so you have your three to six months worth of living expenses or maybe another appropriate amount for yourself and you've got extra sitting in the bank earning nothing, then it is probably a good idea to look for other savings opportunities. And that could be in a number of different uh, vehicles, but I think the most basic would be just a regular brokerage account where you could invest in um, growth-oriented, Stocks, mutual Mm -hmm. funds, equities. Mm
1: -hmm. But recognize that's going to be that account is going to have totally different characteristics. You're going to have to subject it to short term market fluctuations. But in exchange for that, you should, if you do it right, get long term growth rates that well exceed what you are getting out of your bank account. So while we believe that having a healthy bank account cash balance emergency fund all kind of like the same different words for the same thing that's necessary it's a good fundamental underpinning of a financial plan but not to the extreme too much of cash sitting around is dead money and above your protection level that needs to be invested for growth if you're concerned about you know building wealth over the long term um, and so, you know, in this this is just the invest, interest rate environment we are in. There's no magic solution here, um, where you can. I mean, there are bonds are an option. You can always purchase, you know, a U.S. Treasury bill or something, a ten-year Treasury bill that's uh, earning, you know, about 1.3 percent. But that, for most people, that's not going to move the needle. Um, so, that's just the interest rate we're, environment we're in, and uh, you're going to get your best growth out of equities in this environment. All right, we got another call online. Uh, Scott in Chesapeake. Good evening, Scott. You're on Dollars and Common Sense.
3: Uh, yes. Um, uh, my question is, if uh, me and my spouse are both uh, claiming Social Security and something happens to me, uh, does she... Uh, pick up my Social Security and drop hers or does she get a portion
4: of mine?
2: Yeah, good question, Scott. So it depends on which benefit is the larger benefit. So if one spouse passes away, the surviving spouse then keeps the larger of the two benefits.
3: Okay, Roger. Yeah, but she has. if it, if it happened to me, she'd have to be drawing Social Security when this happens, right?
2: And... Um, not necessarily so, but did you say you've both already claimed social security?
3: Uh, no, neither one yet. Oh, neither of you have. Oh, I misunderstood.
2: Okay. Yes. So, um, if you were to pass away and it, it, do you know if your benefit is the larger of the two or whose benefit is the larger benefit? Do you know? Right. Me yours. Okay. So, and how old are you and your wife?
3: Uh, I am 64 and she's 62.
2: Okay. So if you were to pass away today, she would have the option to claim a widow's benefit on your record, or she could claim her own benefit. And so a widow's... Based on her work record. Based on her work record. And a widow actually has a little bit more flexibility than anyone. So a widow can choose to claim one benefit and then switch to another at a later date. So depending on her entire financial situation, her cash flow situation, she could maybe claim hers and then switch to yours at a later date and allow it to grow a little bit more so she would have a lot of flexibility there and yes she would be eligible right away it's at uh 60 is the earliest you can claim a widow's benefit okay thank you that's perfect you're welcome
1: all right scott thanks for the call we appreciate it just like that 627-7979 if you have a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation jump on the phone lines give us a call
2: yeah, so just to wrap up or give a little more clarification around widow's benefits, a widow can claim a, a widow's benefit on their deceased spouse, his record, as early as age 60. It will be decreased. So if you want your full widow's benefit, you have to wait until your full retirement age. But again, like I mentioned, you have more flexibility than normal. You could claim your own benefit at 62 and then switch to the larger widow's benefit at 67. You could claim your widow's benefit at 60 and switch to your own benefit at 70. And if this is confusing to you, this illustrates why Social Security claiming <laughs> is complex, and you should definitely get educated and work with a work with someone about the strategy. Right. I, I am just
1: gonna <laughs> say. So the moral of the story is, there are a lot of different ways to claim Social Security benefits, and people don't typically appreciate that because overwhelmingly. Um, The majority of people just take Social Security benefits as soon Mm -hmm. as they are eligible at 62, which for most people is probably not the best claiming strategy. But that's the reality of the situation. So know that there are a variety of options, a variety of programs and plans uh, embedded in Social Security that can be available to you. Um, And while Social Security, you know, Social Security is a big bureaucracy, right? So if you've had experience with that, you know that you could get a good Social Security um, customer service rep who knows the system in and out. Or you could get somebody who's six months on the job and not really have much of a clue at all. So ultimately, the responsibility is going to be yours because once you make that decision with a few exceptions it is irrevocable and it's permanent for the rest of your life. So so you want to go in armed with a plan and a strategy.
2: Yeah, I we have experienced this with several clients recently where they have called and like three different times and gotten three different answers and it is beyond frustrating, but the the main takeaway you need to understand is you have to be educated and you have to know the right questions to ask. So it's a good idea to work with someone, a professional that can help guide you. All
1: right, we're going to try to get Dave in here from Virginia Beach uh, before the break. Dave, good evening. You're on Dollars and Common Sense. Thank you. How can we help you? Go ahead, Dave. Oh,
3: excuse me. I'm sorry. Yeah, the the social security, I'm on social security right now, but I'm still working. So my lower years, of working when I was only making a couple hundred dollars a year do they fall off and they add to the latest so therefore my total number would go up
2: yes or is it locked in yes so how old are you dave
3: 73
2: 73 and still working okay Yes. So how your Social Security benefit is calculated, they take, it's actually monthly, but they take your 35 highest earning years and they average those and use that to calculate your benefit. So every year you earn, if you're still in your high earning years, that will cause probably a low earning year to drop off your record and it will increase your benefit.
3: Does that happen automatically or do
1: I have to do
2: something? It happens automatically. Okay. All right. Thank you very much.
1: All right. Thanks for the call, Dave. And there will be a little lag in that because it's usually based off, you know, previous years' earnings. So, um, you know, if you file your tax returns and your W-2s and then it gets to Social Security, but eventually you will see that benefit creep up over time. And that does happen uh, as a normal course of business through Social Security. All right. Well, we're going to have to take a short break here for the news, as we usually do at the bottom of the hour. If you have a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation or you want to jump in on this conversation regarding Social Security, give us a call on the studio line 627-7979. She's Allison. I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM 790 WNIS. Welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner, Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized, ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, check us out online at wealthwayadvisors.com. You can request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or sign up for our free quarterly newsletter at wealthwayadvisors.com. Just go to the contact page, put your name and address in there, select the appropriate drop-down menu, And we'll get that information out to you later on this week. And that's all we will use your name and address for is just to send you the information that you request. Tonight, we're talking about Social Security. If you have a question about that or anything having to do with your personal financial situation, jump on the phone lines, give us a call, 627-7979. Right now, we're going to go out to Virginia Beach and speak with Ross. Good evening, Ross. You're on Dollars and Common Sense.
4: Yeah, hi. Thank you for taking my call. I have a um, a TSP account and my wife has a 401k and I've become very familiar with investing money into it. essentially, you set an allocation rate um, and I kind of like to take the approach of set and forget um, as long as I'm comfortable with my allocation to different assets, I kind of leave it alone but looking forward to the time that I start withdrawing funds i'm i'm Um, confused about how the allocation would work. I've heard it said that I have to withdraw the money on an allocation basis. In other words, a certain percentage of each type of asset. And I consider that that would be a horrible way of taking money out because what I want to do is take the money out of an asset that's been doing well and potentially avoid taking out of an asset that hasn't been doing well. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, is that a good question? How how does that
1: work? Yeah. So, if you so you're talking about the withdrawal uh, period of time, like in retirement when you're ready to take the money out and start using it to live on, is that correct?
4: That's correct. Yeah. And frankly, this 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 gets to the issue of whether it's better to leave money in a 401k or putting it in an IRA, where it would be more easy to
1: direct
4: specifically which asset to withdraw from.
1: Right. And how old are you, Ross? I'm 60. Okay. Um, Yeah, you're exactly right. So every financial, every 401k plan seems like there are different nuances and wrinkles. I mean, by and large... Yes, there are a lot of similarities to a 401k plan. But there, when you look under the covers, look under the hood, and check out the engine and the sparks plugs, there's a lot of differences. And so every company's 401k provider can do it a little bit differently. Um, and as you suggest, I mean, some companies, if you... Let's say you have a million dollars in the 401k plan, and you want to start taking out five thousand dollars a month. Then their method for withdrawal is going to govern, and it might not align with your particular needs and strategies. Some do offer options, uh, but few don't because it's a it's a more advanced maneuver that most typical people aren't even familiar with and don't have the sophistication to make the right decisions. I think what I heard you say was was kind of spot on. Um, you generally do want to sell those asset classes that are outperforming and not sell those that are underperforming. So you kind of get it. Um, but if that doesn't align with the 401k's plans distribution um, Administration mechanics, then your your best option, and and we generally recommend this for most people uh, who are either working with an advisor or who know what they're doing, is to just take that 401k money, consolidate it into one IRA, uh, you know, for you and one IRA for your wife, and have total control over, it, and then you decide how the distribution comes out.
4: Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you.
1: Yeah. All right. Thanks for the call, Ross. We we appreciate it. Yeah. The, the withdrawals. We we talk a lot about accumulation. Mm-hmm. And easy part, they, right? right <laughs> almost easy. But the reason we accumulate is because at some point we want to withdraw, and and distribute that money and live off of it and uh, you know enjoy the fruits. of of, the, of our labor of, our, of building that nest egg. Um, and that's a whole different sort of complex decision set that needs to be managed properly if you want to maximize the value of, of your retirement plan and make it last as long as you can. Okay, we've got, uh, we're going to go out to Portsmouth now. And Roy, good evening, Roy. You're on Dollars and Common Sense. Yes, uh, my question was, uh, are there any update to the windfall? Mm. Two thirds of
4: your uh, Social Security being taken out once you retire. Mm-hmm.
2: Are you? Have you heard anything recently?
0: Well, that's why I was calling. This uh, this was about ten years ago. Yeah, I just wanted to
4: have they made an update to that since then.
2: No, it's always up for discussion. I think there are certainly groups that are petitioning to have the windfall elimination uh, provision eliminated. Um, but I don't think anything has gone through officially at this point.
4: Oh, okay. Okay then, I appreciate that, Dan.
2: You're welcome, Roy. So what Roy's talking about is when you have a pension from a um, government entity like a lot of firefighters, police officers, either government, state, or city, entity, that where they didn't pay into Social Security for a period of time, and they receive a pension. If you also had work where you did pay into Social Security, and you earned a Social Security benefit, your government or local government pension could actually cause a reduction in your social security benefit that you would otherwise be entitled to from other employment. And it was you know, designed so that people couldn't, I guess, quote unquote, double dip, but it is a reduction in Social Security benefits. And sometimes it can mean you receive no Social Security as a result of your pension. And
1: mainly because that was the the tax that was taken out of your paycheck or the withholding that came out of your paycheck was redirected to a different retirement plan. So because you didn't quite pay in as much as Other people, then you got a reduced or eliminated Social Security benefit,
2: and it can affect uh, spousal benefits and widow's benefits. So it is something to be aware of, and I I don't think it has been anything that's beneficially addressed. Although there are always people trying to take up that cause.
1: 627-7979. 627-7979. That's 627-7979. If you've got a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation, we'll get you right on air. Ta- talking tonight about Social Security, you want to jump in on this conversation or anything else, give us a call. She's Allison. I'm Kevin. We'll be right back after these messages. Wealthy
0: financial advice.
1: And welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna, we're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at wealthwayadvisors.com where you can request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or sign up for a free quarterly newsletter at wealthwayadvisors.com. Put your name and address in there, select a proper drop-down menu. We'll get it out to you later on this week. That's all we're going to use your name and address for. Our next show, by the way, will be in two weeks on Tuesday, September 28th at 6 p.m. as usual, our next live show, rebroadcast. If you're listening on Saturday morning, this is a rebroadcast. Um, But we do have a rebroadcast on Saturday morning following the show, so you might catch us there as well. And if you can't catch us live or as a rebroadcast, you can get us as a podcast and take us with you wherever you go.
2: Search for Dollars and Common (laughs) Sense wherever you get your podcasts. And, a little, little slow on the uptake right, there. And <laughs> you will
1: find us, and then we will yes. somehow go to your portable device. Yes,
2: dollars and common <laughs> sense. I recommend clicking subscribe and catching all of our episodes. Right there, you go.
1: <laughs> or you can go to our website also, and we got the last four or five episodes usually up there. So if you want to get a, you know, don't want to subscribe to a podcast, you can always go back and get the last few episodes at uh, WealthwayAdvisors.com. Okay, got a few callers on the line now. We'll try to get through you before the through that before the end of. Of the show. We're gonna go up to Hampton and speak with George. Good evening, George. You're on Dollars and Common Sense.
4: Yes. Uh, my wife taught for 30 years in school system. I worked in the post office for 27 years. I uh, she makes three times as much retirement money. Both get Social Security. They cut my Social Security. Got accumulated enough points, but they cut it to half. Mm-hmm. My question is: If I die, since I make less far less than she in social security if i die when she get my social security or if she died where i get her social security
2: okay so uh the i'll answer first the easy part of the question when one person passes away the surviving spouse keeps the higher of the two benefits That's kind of the simple answer, George, but are you talking about the windfall elimination provision that we were talking about earlier with Roy? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that does make it a little more complicated where a government pension causes your benefit to be reduced. So if something happened to your wife, George, your pension would probably affect the amount of widow's benefit that you would be eligible for on your wife's record. And I, you'd have to probably run some calculators on the ssa.gov website to find out what that might look like. But it probably will have an impact. Thank you. You're welcome.
1: All right, George, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 627-7979. Now going down to Chesapeake. And Joe, good evening, Joe. You're on Dollars and Common Sense.
3: Hi, y'all. All right, I got I'm uh, I heard y'all say something about the last 35 years of your employment. That's how they took an average for Social Security.
2: The highest yeah. 35 years.
3: The highest 35 years. Mm-hmm. Now, does that include overtime? Because some years I made six digits with overtime, or do they base it on your base salary that you were getting paid by?
2: Yes, so it is based on wages that were subject to Social Security tax withholding. So all of your wages up to the annual Social Security withholding limit would count on your record, and they average the top 35. Okay, now
3: when I pass away, and my wife can draw on mine at 60,
2: she's going to stay at home
4: mom.
3: The whole time. So she can get a widow's benefit off of me once she reaches 60.
2: If you were to pass away, she would be able to claim a widow's benefit as early as 60. It would be reduced, but she could claim it. Yes.
3: Okay. All right. I just want to make sure I don't leave nobody out of nothing and i'll make sure to take care of Mm -hmm. y'all have a great
2: night
1: appreciate it you too joe all right joe thanks for the call and just know you can verify these numbers at the social security administration's website that's ssa.gov you know they were sending us our social security statements there for a while hard copy in the mail I think with uh, the advent of more efficient means, uh, electronic means, that has stopped. But you can always go to the website, go through a very elaborate sign-up process, but once you do, all your information is there, you can verify it, and you can see what your current estimated Social Security balance is.
2: It is pretty user-friendly, and I really do recommend everyone create an account because you you want to make sure that no one else accesses your account. Right. So. Create an account, and you really should look at your statement each year to make sure your earnings are being reported properly, because you only have a short period of time to correct any mistakes or problems. I think it's two years.
1: Six two seven seven nine seven nine. Going to go out to Virginia Beach now. And Joey, good evening, Joey. You're on Dollars and Common Sense.
3: Good evening. So I was just curious. My, my you know, I've, I've not even thought about retirement, which is a bad thing,
4: but <laughs> And I'm only
3: 61. And I don't plan on retiring at least till 70. And my wife and I both don't plan on retiring until at least 70. And, you know, for the past 10-plus years, I have been paying – I've topped out Social Security. So whatever the maximum is that you can put in Social Security at the end of the year – I, I can typically max that out. My wife, she makes about sixty-five a year, and so she's not maxing it out. But I'm just curious, between her and I, what are we going to get for Social
2: Security? Have you looked at your Social Security statements, Joey? Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me give you an idea. If you've been, if you have max earnings, the maximum that. Benefit that you could claim if you were claiming right now this year would be about $3,100 a month. That's like the maximum Social Security benefit right now. So if you keep earning and maxing out your Social Security earnings for the next 10 years, you would probably be somewhere around there with cost of living increases. But you don't have to guess because... All of us have our own Social Security earnings record and statement that would show you exactly what benefit you'd be entitled to at age 62, at full retirement age, and at 70. It lays it out really nicely for you.
3: So is there an age I should just say, all right, that's it. We're just going to all just start collecting Social Security because if I go another 10 years and I keep maxing it out, it's, all right, well start collecting it at 60 whatever and you know i mean is there like a balance there because
4: Mm -hmm. obviously if i
3: go for 10 years i'm just going to be dumping money into it where i've already been dumping a lot of money into it and um i mean what's the sense right should i just
2: it's a really good question and it's not a simple answer because it it not only depends on your social security record but your wife's record and your entire financial situation and your work plans. I will say as long as you're working, you don't usually want to claim before your full retirement age because your benefit is reduced and any earnings you have could further reduce your benefit. So generally, this is very general advice, but As long as you're still working, it's usually not a good idea to claim before your full retirement age.
1: Which for you is probably close to 67.
2: Mm -hmm. Now, the debate between claiming at 67 or waiting till 70. Every year you wait past age 67, your benefit will increase by 8% per year. And if you're still working, your benefit will likely continue to increase and will be getting cost of living increases so there's oftentimes a good reason to wait until 70 it's how typically you maximize your benefit but if you need the cash flow or you don't think you will have a long life expectancy then a case could be made to claiming before then
3: right Uh, and then the medicare medicaid stuff insurance health insurance when should you start taking that
2: you're eligible for medicare at age 65 but if you're still employed you don't have to enroll in medicare so you would probably want to do a little bit of homework to compare your current insurance coverage versus what you would have and what you would pay on medicare
3: and is that expensive when you start taking it out of medicare
2: Right now, Medicare is a hundred and let's round up. It's about one hundred and fifty dollars a month. But if you are still earning and you're in your high earning years, you could be subject to surcharges. It's called Irma, so there's additional premiums. So your premiums could go up as far as five hundred a month if you make a lot of money.
3: Again, yeah, five hundred a month is actually. Not too bad compared to what I'm saying.
2: <laughs> Possibly, yeah. You have to really weigh your options there. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes. All right.
1: Well, thanks a lot. All right, Joey. Thanks for the call. Those were good questions. Um, yeah, the whole uh, the Medicare uh, issue and and the cost of that. It, it you know, it, it's a much maligned program, uh, I think. But uh, I, I I would almost say it's it's functionally working. Better, at least for the time being, mm-hmm. than Social Security. Mm-hmm. Um, from what we hear from people who, you know, are, are, well, we're all paying into Medicare, but for those who are paying, uh, you know, the the premiums and even the surcharge and the benefits that they get out of it are pretty robust. So that need that program also <laughs> needs some shoring up and needs some stability going forward. But at least for right now, the current beneficiaries are are enjoying it. And, and, and guys, I hate to steal the thunder from the last couple phone calls, but as we're rounding into the last 90 seconds, I feel like it's it's really poignant. I know a lot of people are really weighing on this information. Can you guys tell us, because we're going to close the show in a couple minutes, where can people get more information? Where should they turn to for correct information, correct guidance? Because it's obvious a lot of people need guidance further than tonight's show. What should people do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, obviously your first step is usually to go online to the web, ssa.gov. Um, that's the Social Security Administration's uh, website. Um, also, you can you learn a fair amount about Medicare uh, through Social Security's website, and, and Medicare also has its own website as well, uh, I believe. But Beyond that, uh, if you're going to go it alone, then, you know, it's going to be on you to figure out, uh, you know, the best strategies. That, that's where the rubber meets the road. Um, and so for those of you who, uh, you know, aren't ready to do that, then that's when you get to get yourself aligned with a good insurance agent uh, who knows the ins and outs of the, the Medicare Uh, program. And then Social Security is really a fundamental part of a solid financial plan. So that's where you would probably want to align yourself with a good financial advisor, um, whether that's us or somebody else here in the local Hampton Roads community. That's where you're going to, you know, you can be assured you're working with a professional who can help guide you to maximize those benefits. All right, that's all the time we have for today. We're going to be back in two weeks on Tuesday. September 28th at 6 p.m. For more information about us, check us out at WealthwayAdvisors.com. For Certified Financial Planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. You've been listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM790 WNIS. The preceding program was sponsored and paid for by Wealthway Financial Advisors. We are solely responsible for its content.